A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hi, welcome to the Football Writers Podcast. My name's Mike Calvin. I'm joined by Darren Lewis of the Daily Mirror and Alison Rudd of the Times. Another one bites the dust. That's eight managers sacked in the Premier League this season. Unlike many, I'm not surprised Watford got rid of Marco Silva. They were going down under him. Now, he's been replaced by that Google item, Javi Garcia. What does all this say about modern management? I don't think, you know... In general terms, Mike, modern management, there isn't enough patience. But in this case, I think it was a merited sacking. I think it's very easy to criticise Watford and talk about that what is perceived to be a lack of patience at the club. But it doesn't actually take into account that under Marco Silva, they were falling like a stone. Don't look at the table and see that they're 10th. Look at the table and see that in their last 11 games they'd lost eight times and won only once. Look at the fact that players were disaffected, not motivated. And he was unable to motivate them because they turned around and said, you're leaving at the end of the season. You are not committed to this club. Why should we listen to you? I think ever since Everton came in, and I don't even blame Everton for this. Managers get tapped up all the time. Let's not kid ourselves about this industry, just like players do. But, it was for him to remain focused and professional and to transmit that to his players, and he couldn't do it. That's why they had to sack him. Mm. But this is interesting, because if you go step back, the reason Marco Silva probably thought he had every right to listen to the overtures from Everton was that he knows the history of Watford, and he knew, regardless of how well or averagely he did this season, he, he would probably be replaced because they like a new injection of style and someone they can work with on a short-term basis. So it's a self-fulfilling prophecy, if you like, that if you know you're, you haven't got a much of a future at a club, why would you not think this might be the best offer I get? And I will, I will go nature, and though? talk to them. Is that the nature of the business in as much as that Watford are seen as a stepping stone club? And so by definition, if you're a stepping stone club, you're not going to have stability. You know, you're going to be in Watford's situation... Five managers in little more than three years. Yes and no, because I think it's still incumbent on him to put uh, to to do the best job he can do, the best job he's paid to do, he's contracted to do. And I think as far as he is concerned, A, if he performs well, then he makes himself even more marketable to other clubs so that he can use the club if he wants to as a stepping stone. But also, he makes it more difficult for the club to turn around and say, we want to make a change again. They could well say, look, we want to build around this guy. This guy's done a wonderful job. Let's keep him for the long term. He could well have made a decision for them. 
instead um, there's a wonderful piece by Jack Pitbrook where he says he tripped over his own ambition mm. you know because he had clubs that were in from Everton were in from I know West Ham had asked him if he wanted to take their job he said to all the clubs I can't leave mid-season I don't want to leave another club mid-season I think he probably realized how it would look had he done that and he decided at the end of the season I'll talk to you uh, Watford obviously said well look if we go down you'll get a better offer. We could be in the championship. We have to make this change now. And I think they were right to do it. But football's a whispering gallery and there are assumptions made about managers and they become almost like fashion items. Everyone thought that Marco Silva you know, was the best thing since sliced bread. He took Hull down. Watford, I saw them in his last home game. They were abysmal against Southampton. They were equally, equally bad, to be honest. Are we looking at him as the new Andre Vias Boas? <laughs> That's slightly cruel. But I, I agree with you. I didn't buy into the cult of Marco Silva at all. Yeah. It, it, what he did that got everyone so excited at Hull was that they started playing nice football, but it was still mostly ineffective. He couldn't get a win away from home. Mm. It, they still dropped and dropped, and, and yet you'd get, as you say, the whispers were, oh, what a, what, a, what a promising young manager. And on the basis of taking a club down, he gets a, a Premier League job. And you felt at the time, even before his first training session, he knew that was a, tra a, a stepping stone for him. See, I, I, He's obviously incredibly ambitious, yeah. has great faith in himself. And I think that probably emanates when you meet him and deal mm. with him. We're very sure of his... Um, Procedures, the way he coaches, yeah. and that will have an effect. Apparently, on players. He's, he's absolutely meticulous. meticulous. Yeah. yeah. But see, I, I, I slightly disagree. I disagree full stop because I think, as far as he's concerned, when you look at Hull and you look at the club he was at before Hull, Olympiacos, and they were undefeated all season at home, and then he went to Hull, a, cl a club that were on their way down under his predecessor. And he made them more organised, more effective. They were harder to beat, particularly at home. They pulled off big results. And yes, ultimately they went down, but it was much more of a fight that we saw from them under Silva. And when he initially arrived at Watford, they were organised, they were effective. He bought Richarlison, that some of the big clubs are looking at now. So he did well in the transfer market as well. He'll be gone, won't he? Oh, for sure he'll be gone in the summer because the big clubs obviously like the potential that he has shown. His performances have dipped as well. Um, he's almost the, the sitter-missing king, if you like. <laughs> and um, I, I remember the performance against Chelsea um, where they should have won. They should have won, you know. And, and I think um, had it not been for bad finishing in that game, they would have pulled off a huge upset and put Conte under huge pressure. Um but his focus simply evaporated once the Everton thing came in. Um, but I don't think on the basis of this whole debacle, his reputation as uh, with good players at a big club, I, I, I don't think you should use it to knock him because I think he does have that potential. And I think another big club, possibly Southampton, you know, mm. might come in for him. It was interesting you mentioned Southampton. There was a piece in your paper this morning, Ali, um, I think it was uh, Gary Jacob, talking about Maurizio Pellegrino saying that in Argentina they call football management being in the electric chair. And that's pretty much what it's like. You know, if you look at Garcia is coming to Watford, it's his 10th job in 10 years. There's no permanence, is there? No, but there, there still could be. I don't think this is the, 
the new way. I don't think it's permanent. I think a lot of factors involved. Currently in the Premier League, for example, I just think that the bunch, the way it's all bunched from mid-table downwards is means it will come down to goal difference for maybe six teams as to which one, one goes down. It's the, the margins have never been finer. And because you do get a new manager bounce most of the time, just just by sacking your manager, you can gain six points you might not have got. And that, that'll be Look invaluable to stay up. And that's all most of those clubs are thinking about. And that's a really... You, you mentioned Stoke, but you look at Palace, how many managers they've been through. Why? Because to stay in the Premier League, the riches that... that it, the Championship is like a black hole. And, 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 and financially, to go down, yeah, you get your parachute payments, whatever else, but it's harder to keep players, it's harder to attract players. People are making these decisions because they have to, and it's, you know, you can easily turn around and say, oh, well, there's, there's no patient, whatever, but there are specific reasons why. Mm -hmm. And I think as far as Watford are concerned, you know, they're budgeting for the long term, even though they might not be a short term, they may be a short term as club, but they're budgeting for the long term and they don't want to be in a position. And that's why I've seen so many just go already this season. Mm. None of them want to be in a position where they're going down and they're losing the finance and they're losing their big players and they've got less of a chance of getting back into the big time. Yeah, Stoke could sack Paul Lambert tomorrow and don't have got from it what they wanted. Yeah. 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 Hull sacked uh, Mike Phelan after giving him a contract that very season because mm. they saw it wasn't working. Actually, I think you have to applaud the fact that they weren't, they didn't mm. sit on their hands. They did say to themselves, no, this is a mistake that we've made. Let's go in a different well, direction. Garcia lasted a month at Olympiacos, <laughs> which is the ultimate short-term thing. <laughs> <laughs> but it was interesting, we, we were at West Ham on Saturday. Yes. I was really struck by David Moyes and his demeanour. Mm. He seems to have got his mojo back a bit, doesn't he? He does, um, and I'm really pleased for him, uh, because I think uh, it's now undefeated in seven matches. He's getting Marco Arnautovic to play much better. They've pulled off wins against Chelsea, got a point against Arsenal. They beat Huddersfield 4-1 away from home. And I think there is an organisation back in the team. There is a work ethic back in the team. Uh, he's been very, very unlucky with injuries. Um, and <laughs> Chelsea are sniffing around Marco Arnautovic, who's yet another of the big strikers. We'll probably get to that a bit later. Yeah. I think we, you and I might have a chance. At <laughs> but, but as far as Moyes is concerned, my piece for the Daily Mirror today basically su suggested, I think he's won the respect back from the fans. If you go back to November... There was meltdown. The fans, why are we getting this manager? It just shows the direction we're going in as a club. Now they're happier with him. He's got a bit to go, mm. I'll, I'll grant it. But I think Moyes is, is regaining the, res the respect of football in general. I've been struck over the last few years how quickly your stock can fall, but he's made bad career choices. But I think at West Ham, it's a good fit. And I think by the end of his time at West Ham, we might be seeing the, the old Moyes back again. When we come to review the season, high on the list of important factors will be yards run. Yes. And all these new managers, they're coming in and they're looking at the stats and they're thinking, if I can get these players to run a bit further, mm. a bit faster, more regularly, mm. we're in with a chance here. And Moyes has just been very sensible, I think. And sure. it was easy at West Ham because Billich was famous for not pushing the players That's hard right. enough and they had the worst stats in the that's league right, for right. how much they were running. Yeah. Or you, I mean, you or I could have gone in and said, right, run faster. <laughs> but you know what he did? What we, we, he said, and he was very open about it, he said, I'm telling the players now, I wish I had a pre-season where I could look at them, but I'm a man in a hurry. 
for two reasons. Obviously, he needed to get the team up the table. But B, he knew that this jump was almost his last chance in the Premier League to kind of remind people of what he was capable of. So he said, if some players can't do it for me, they are out. And from what I understand, Arnautovic went to the chairman and said, look, I know I had a bad little run once you bought me and the fans aren't happy and people aren't happy with me. But I will show you that I can be an asset to the club. He's now scored seven goals in his last nine games, I think it is. And I think his work ethic more than the goals is what the mm. fans appreciate at the club. That could have so backfired on David Moyes because he went public with his criticism of Anatovic after he'd known him for 10 minutes mm. and said, I don't think his attitude's right. Mm. Well, imagine if Anatovic had practically gone on strike because yeah. you could argue you'd have the right to mm. who's this new bloke doesn't know me how dare he say that and that could have festered amongst the players instead Moyes got lucky in a way that Onatovic decided no I need to prove I need to prove that I'm not lazy I think mm. he had to there was a lot for him to prove because when he left Stoke his agents had a huge row with the club and basically said they were going to a bigger club with more ambition and he was going to achieve more there so it was incumbent on Onatovic actually to prove them right um, and, and when he arrived 25 million pounds for a club like West Ham is a lot of money and I think uh, the fans very quickly just were not having him mm. and, and he mm. realised I think what would have happened had he not improved, I think they would have sold him this month. I'm convinced they would have sold him. Mm. But because of his improvement, because he's now been central to the results that they've managed to pick up, and he's kind of formed an understanding with Lanzini. Sadly, Lanzini now out for a month, confirmed mm. um, just before we, we came on air. But I think as far as West Ham are concerned, he now is a big asset to them, and I think they'll start to build around him. Mm. What about, you talked about you know, the short-term bounce. That's been obvious when you've looked at Everton under Sam Allardyce but and you mentioned about the fans Darren the fans at Everton are not having him now are they this honeymoon is the shortest ever yeah at Everton are it's really complicated at Everton I think there is they get another club that have uh, an idea of how they want to play and where they should be and they have new money now mm. as well and it has been spent the narrative is, is complicated because you had a highly respected manager going in in the form of Ronald Koeman. Uh, the purchasing was basically random and counterproductive. So you had a team of misfits and a manager who's not used to that, dealing with those sorts of problems. He's a manager who was thinking, oh, well, we'll go to the European places and then we'll have a European campaign. Oh, we're, we're battling against relegation and it's not working. So it, 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 was, it just didn't work. I can see, you know, uh, Sam Allardyce is, is, is the obvious choice to go to when things are fragmented and you need someone who's no-nonsense, who does the analysis, is incredibly thorough, so experienced, has a point to prove, like David Moyes. I mean, it's quite good to... You know, in another way, you could say, yeah, the West Ham fans were annoyed by the appointment yes. to David Moyes, but actually it's quite a good move to appoint someone who has such a lot to prove. Mm. And Sam Allardyce, who did quite a lot of... Um, he did a nice interview in The Times to mark his thousandth game in management. It's about... It's about him saying, you know, that whole England debacle, everyone now accepts, he's telling the world that everyone accepts that was a debacle now and I shouldn't have been let go from in the England job. But he's got, he's got so much to prove and that's great. You, you want that as the chairman. You want your manager to not just use you as a stepping stone, but Everton are a club with history and probably the most established club that, big club that Sam Allardyce was, Sam Allardyce was going to be offered. Yeah. So you had a, a match there in terms of ambition and I do, but I do strongly believe Sam Allardyce is, is capable of giving fans 
attractive football, yes. actually. He just makes sure that the basics are in place, but he likes attractive football too. Oh, I, I, I remember some of the Bolton games I watched were some of the most wonderful and surprising matches I've ever seen like because they were small, like small yeah. team. When, when it, he looks at the opposition, Sam Allardyce, and he'll decide, yes, we can play nice football against them, and he will. So there's nothing intrinsically wrong with Sam Allardyce being at Everton. But the manager, as you were, I think you're hinting at, is that the bounce didn't last very long because mm. the problems there are much deeper. It's not about going in and saying, oh, I need you to work harder and I need you to cover more ground. That the, the people they have, the, the players they have, none of them work together. And I was in, it was interesting today to me that Sam Allardyce said he dropped Wayne Rooney and kept Gilfie Sigurdsson in the team. His reasoning was they don't cover enough ground. I believe the opposite is true. I think they both cover too much ground. They in run the around in the same area. They run around like mad. They're desperate to be involved everywhere. And when they play together, Rooney sort of bundles Sigurdsson away from where he should be, which pushes Gilfie Sigurdsson wide, and he's not a winger, and then the whole thing falls apart. Sam Allardyce has to have the bravery, I think, to decide he can't manage those two individuals and the rest of them on a match-by-match -match basis. He has to think, where are they going forward? And maybe just say, the pattern of the team is this, and there's no room in it for either Sigurdsson or Rooney. Mm. He has to go ahead and just be bolder. But if you haven't got the fans with you and the results aren't great, it's really hard I to think, be brave. I think a key point is the timing of this almost disaffection because history has shown that Sam Allardyce normally works his magic in a transfer window mid-season. He saved Sunderland on the basis of the work that he did in the transfer window. Uh, I think if you look back over the years at the other clubs where he's done well, he's always had a good mid-season transfer window and I think he another two weeks to go of this particular window and I think he'll do some business. He's already moved Aaron Lennon on to Burnley um, and I think he'll do more business as well. Uh, we interviewed him after the Spurs game uh, where they were absolutely smashed up 4-0 and he said it's a shock for me which is quite a big thing for someone as experienced as Sam to say but he said it's a shock for me um, but it's almost a reverse of what's happened at my previous clubs where it's been horrendous and I've wondered what I've walked into and then been able to improve them. Here, it's been a honeymoon period for a short period and now things have fallen apart. It's three defeats in their last four matches. But I think he will do the business in this window. He is, what was he known for? Being organised, being efficient, round pegs and round holes and getting players to fulfil their potential. I think he will do it at Everton. And there is talk of Silva maybe going in ahead after at the end of the season and replacing him. Rubbish. I think Allardyce should keep that job and I think he'll be a success. Because of what you said, he's hungry to prove people wrong and I think he'll do that. Mm. If you look at Chelsea as a model, are we talking there about almost like built-in obsolescence with a manager? Someone like Antonio Conte wins the league and is not allowed to continue the job in essence doesn't get the players he wants, the politics take over, Michael Emanalo's gone, you've got a completely different structure. Is that part of Chelsea's problem? Or is that by design that they like that insecurity? I... Well, you use a word like obsolescence, which sounds negative, but actually the Chelsea model has been incredibly successful when you look at what they've won since Abramovich has taken over. It shouldn't work, their high turnover of managers and the acrimony that sometimes happens before the manager leaves. It shouldn't work, but it does work. 
it does work. And Abramovich appointing someone that he fell out with, but, oh, he likes them again, it works. It, it shouldn't, but it does. Mm. And I think the built-in obsolescence comes from the fact that no manager so far has been able to navigate the politics of Chelsea. Yeah. I don't think necessarily Abramovich would want someone, a manager, to leave if that manager was able to prove that he didn't believe he was bigger than the club. If you win a title like Antonio Conte did, it is almost impossible to not believe you have power at the club. And then you can start asking for the players you want to get and the style of player you want. And the club will go, no, 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 you're just the manager. You don't have any power here just because you've brought the title in. That means the manager then becomes a bit disillusioned, a little sarcastic. There's quite a lot of sarcasm creeping into press conferences with Conte now. The general belief is he won't be there beyond the summer, but he still is an incredibly professional chap and he will make sure they win something this season and it's no disaster at all. But the, the, the way the purchases will go in this transfer window will partly reflect Conte, but mostly reflect the fact that Chelsea... Chelsea see themselves as an entity bigger than any manager. Mm. Well, what, Darren, what about the, the let's find a big man scenario <laughs> that's going on there? You know, Ashley Barnes is now the latest one who follows Jekko, Peter Crouch, mm. Andy Carroll mm. um, before he went to A&E as per usual. What's all that about? Uh, well, he wants to have a different way of playing, um, a more direct way of playing. Somebody who can hold the ball up clearly feels that Mishi Batshuayi, despite his goals record from very, very limited starts, or sorry, appearances. Um, he, he feels that he doesn't hold the ball well up, up, hold the ball up well enough. Did okay at Brighton at the weekend. They looked to, to combine well up front, but right, Conti doesn't fancy him. He should have left last summer. This whole striker thing should have been sorted out last summer. It's clear, clear last season that, that he didn't fancy Batshuayi. He should have sold him then. It is a little bit... I will use the word fast because I think um, a club like Chelsea and all the things you've just described, given the, the, the power and, and, and what he produced, let's not kid ourselves, he had a fair bit of money and a fair bit of firepower to do it with, but given what he did for the club last season, you would, believe, you would have believed that he would have the power to go and get big players to make the kind of impact that City have made at the top of the Premier League. Instead, City have stolen a march. And my fear for Chelsea is that if Antonio Conte leaves and, and, and doesn't build on what he has, City could disappear out of the Manchester clubs, shall we say, because obviously Sanchez going to United will make them stronger, but the Manchester clubs could disappear into the distance and that would be horrendous for Chelsea. Mm. You talked about Conte winning something. Wednesday, we've got the League Cup semi-final second leg against Arsenal. You could make a case for that being the most important game of the season so far for both clubs because it looks like that those two might be the two who miss out of the top four. Well, Arsenal look more likely that they would miss out than Chelsea at the moment, I would say. But I agree with you. There are six very, very good teams, only four automatic Champions do you, League places. Do you, do you agree? I mean, Arsenal's record, and particularly Wenger's record against Conte, is very good. And, you know, in the FA Cup final last year, we all expected them to get beaten. Uh, Chelsea back on the back of winning the league. And Arsenal managed to come out on top. And since then, I mean, Stamford Bridge, Arsenal very good, very disciplined. Um... And, and, You're so, not going to try and draw a conclusion about Arsenal's form. Well, only. I've been to all of those games where, I, where we've, I've, each time I thought 
Chelsea far more far more, far more solid defensively, better up front, more creativity in the side, far more organisation, far less unpredictable. And each time Wenger's managed to get a result. And so I don't think it's a given that Arsenal are the fate, uh, 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 should be worried about Chelsea. I know I don't think Arsenal should be particularly worried about this Wednesday evening. I just think of the, the, of the two clubs, the one that's more likely to have an embarrassing not finishing in the top four situation oh, is, okay, okay. Is, is Arsenal. But not in, but in terms yeah, of the I result think, on I think, Wednesday. Nil-nil in the first leg. Both, <laughs> oddly, both clubs going in having scored yeah, fantastically yeah, beautiful yeah. goals. Yeah. Uh, must be feeling great about themselves. It's a quite, I suspect both teams will play very, very strong lineups because mm. it, it matters. It matters to the fans. Matters getting to a final. Mm. Um, it could probably be nil-nil. But, you know, <laughs> it, 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 I, given that Chelsea was sort of going nil-nil-nil-nil and mm. everyone was saying... This is, this is why these silly stories have started about a big man at front, is because mm. Chelsea had, for the first time in their history, three consecutive nil-nil draws. Mm. But you call crisis. them silly stories. They are, they are genuine stories. They are making these inquiries. They obviously want... Yeah, but never before have... in the history of your job have you ever come across a big club being linked with so many players no, of, of a certain stature in terms of how tall they are. Mm. And no matter what form they're in or their injury record, daily. It's just... A, it, it, look, I think... They are asking the question of these various clubs um, to see that to check on the availability of these players, and it, you know because in 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 football, speaking transfer, even with the, with the times, you guys, when we cover transfer rumours, people kind of nod their approval at the ones that are logical, the ones that we expect, and every time there is one that is out of kilter, what people expect, they go, that can't possibly be true. Mm. No. But <laughs> but there are so many le there are so many levels to the modern transfer. Obviously, there's a commercial level, but there's the PR battle that goes on. Yeah. The briefing on if it's fees. In that context, Ali, who won that battle in the Sanchez Mkhitaryan swap? Who got the best deal? Well, they're now valued as exactly worth exactly the same because there's no money changing hands. I think because of what they've done in the Premier League, most commentators and fans would say Sanchez is the bigger star, the proven player. It's more interesting what Mkhitaryan could do for Arsenal because if you, totally if you, if you, if you cast your mind back, we, most people were very excited he was coming to England. A, a, a technically gifted player who could change mm. a match and he's in spasm shown that technical ability. He's fallen out with Mourinho I think mainly because he didn't vote for him and some manager of the year vote. Um, <laughs> not played the game, not played the game, fallen out with the manager. You, you don't stop being a technically gifted player just because you fall out with Jose Mourinho. And we know his track record of who he's let slip through his fingers. Lots of great talent. Have, he's just decided not for me. So I am actually more interested in what Mkhitaryan does at the Emirates than what Sanchez does at Old Trafford, because I think in the short term, Sanchez will get games and he will be excited to be there. And he hasn't been excited to be at Arsenal. So mm. we'll see the old Sanchez, who's mm. sprightly and fun. But it won't be surprising, whereas Mkhitaryan might actually... If, mm. It's possible that him and Ozil together might just slice apart defences. I totally agree. I, I, you know, I am so fascinated to see what Mkhitaryan does in an attack-minded team uh, that plays to his strengths. Mourinho's a defensively-minded coach uh, and... and and, and he also made the point, didn't he, quite slyly, that in essence what he was saying was that he's actually not strong enough mentally. Yeah. Now, the interesting thing about that point 
is that that's a similar kind of noise that was coming out of Chelsea when he let De Bruyne leave. Yeah. And, and, and he was saying, you know, I have a strong squad and, you know, he has the opportunities, but he can't get into the, to, into my team, you know, because, you know, if I want a team that's going to compete for top honours, I, I, I've got to have that competition for place. And if you're strong enough, you're going to be able to force your way in. I think Mkhitaryan, I, I wonder if Mourinho will look at this and just hold his breath a little bit, because... If Mkhitaryan goes there and produces anything like the kind of form he produced at Dortmund, that's Mkhitaryan, that's Salah. I know Mourinho didn't sell Salah, but he obviously froze him out while he was there, having bought him off uh, basically when Liverpool thought they had him and he bought him. And then uh, De Bruyne as well. So that will be another player that Mourinho's almost written off that's gone on to do the business elsewhere. But I am fascinated. I'm as fascinated, I'm more fascinated by him. I'm also fascinated by Sanchez because obviously he's been an attack-minded side, but Mourinho wants his players to work. Will he have to sacrifice elements of his game to, to work in a more defensively-minded structure? But Mkhitaryan for me, yeah, I, I, I totally agree. It's almost worth taking a Mourinho reject because <laughs> you now know you're going to get somebody yeah. who, who's quite angry. I mean, Benteke was angry for quite yeah. a long time. Quite angry and has a point to prove, a simmering point to prove. Because Mourinho, as you've pointed out, he, he generally doesn't let someone go because he doesn't think they're gifted. He lets them oh, go because... Oh, you mean because... Lukaku? You mean... Sorry, Lukaku, yeah. Yes. He, doesn't let them, he doesn't let them go because they're not gifted. It's their attitude. Yes. He, he, he just decides quite quickly, you've either got it or you've not got yeah. it. Mm. I don't, you know, I can imagine being a young player He's been fated for your skill yeah. or pace or whatever, and then you meet a great manager who tells you, "I don't think you work hard." There's enough. so many of them. Arjun Robin was another one. You know, everyone said he had a heart of a sparrow. You know, he went to Bayern Munich and ripped it up. You know, there are so many players. So if you are a Mkhitaryan and you're 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 frozen out by Mourinho, you're in good company. Mm. I, I don't necessarily say that Arsenal have got the worst of the deal. If they get Aubameyang. And he can combine with Aubameyang. Suddenly you've got goals and assists in that team. Even Lacazette, who's now rediscovered his scoring touch, I think it's his first goal in 10 games. If he can maybe provide the ammunition for him as well, Arsenal could yet come out of the window, A, with two comparable players, comparable ability, and B, with players who want to be there, as opposed to Sanchez, who basically had left last summer and mentally hadn't been there for the past five months. I think it could be a good window for, for Arsenal. What about Spurs, Ali? Um, as we predicted here last week, there were stories linking Harry Kane with Real Madrid, like that. 200 million is not enough. Can Spurs and Pochettino manage to live up to Harry Kane's ambition? I want to say yes. I want to say yes, but they're not... They're over-reliant on what you see. There's no sense, and it might all backfire horribly, because there's... And, and, and this is actually the beauty of, of Harry Kane, because he's got nobody putting him under pressure in that team. He's, he could have got quite lazy, because yeah. he was the best, without anyone knocking on the door. There was no one knocking on Pochettino's door saying, I can be better than Harry Kane, or let me share the burden with Harry Kane, or why don't we play a different formation so I can play with Harry Kane? He's just been that one single focal point for that team and he hasn't, he hasn't relaxed in that role at all. So that, I think that's the best thing about Harry Kane is that he could have, he could have been playing half the pace, half the energy and still, still been their first-choice striker. But the, 
most clubs need that. You need to know there are people in the wings and then there's a sort of bustling, bristling sense of lots of talent coming through. And it, it all stems from the fact that Pochettino is quite, is quite a tactile, paternalistic figure and nurtures players through. I don't think you can have that type of management style if you've got too many big stars all rattling around saying, play me boss, play me boss. Mm. He likes a settled team and a settled system. If they lost... Are you asking me, will Harry Kane stay if they don't win a trophy? Mm. I don't think it's part of Harry Kane's character to want to think that way, but he's probably surrounded by enough people mm. who would say, hang on. Because yeah. the Real Madrid Harry. factor will shape uh, the transfer market in terms of... You look at it now, the goalkeepers, let's take it as an example. Uh, it was assumed, wrongly, that they were going to sign Kepa, the, the young athletic Bilbao goalkeeper. He's now signed a, a new contract there. Now the focus is on De Gea, Courtois. They're the ones that will be assumed to be in Real Madrid sites because they are looking for a number one keeper or certainly one to, to, to push the, the current incumbent. Will we see more Spanish-based rumours in the next couple of weeks? Yes, we will, because Zidane's under pressure. They had a good win yesterday. Um, Bale scored a couple of goals. Uh, I think Ronaldo scored a couple of goals as well. But I think. In, did you see that, by the way, when he had when he t when he looked to, did the selfie when he had injured. blood all over him? It was, it was a classic. His mirror, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> his hair is not out of place. But you know, I think in terms of Real Madrid as a club, um, Zidane's under big pressure. At the moment, they're struggling. Uh, it was a, a much-needed victory for them, but uh, Zidane has been under pressure. He's been forced to even come out and say, look, I won't resign. They'll have to sack me. I, I, I'm going to fight for my job. But the widely accepted view, even when uh, they were beaten by Spurs earlier in the season, is that this is a side that needs freshening up. This current side has come to the end of its cycle. There is talk that the whole of the BBC, Bale, Benzema and Cristiano, uh, could be let go. In the summer, there was an acceptance in one of the Spanish dailies this week that um, Manchester United no longer are interested in what would be a huge deal to take Cristiano Ronaldo. That's not going to happen. Um, what about Bale? Even Bale, there are suggestions that perhaps he's a bit too injury prone. But Ed Woodward does like a, a, a marquee signing. So, you know, if you've got Sanchez, you've got Bale, uh, you know, you have, Lukaku up front as well. Suddenly, he's been after him for a while. He has well. been after him for a while, yeah. So there is that possibility. But I think you know, in terms of Harry Kane, the Spurs want it both ways because Daniel Levy does these interviews where he comes out and he says, you know, we we are confident we'll keep all the players we want to keep, and not even a world record bid will 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 be rejected. But you have to then renegotiate the contracts of these players that are ripping it up. Harry Kane is a dual golden boot winner. His next goal will be his 100th Premier League goal. He is smashing up all the records for the last calendar year. As, as we know, he beat Alan Shearer's record. He is renegotiating his contract every season. You know, regardless of the fact that they gave him new terms December 2016, I think it was, he is renegotiating that contract every season. And on that basis, you have to pay the guy his money. And if you don't want to do that, you can't come out and keep saying, we are not going to sell if Real Madrid make big offers and whatever else. There is no doubt about the ambition of the club with the new stadium. Coming on a bundle, you go down the Seven Sisters Road, um, uh, sorry, up uh, the top of High Road, and it looks fantastic. There is no doubt about the direction with the manager. The players all buy into what he's trying to do. 
decent defensive record, goals in that front six. Um, Alderweireld should be back and they should give a good account of themselves against Juventus. But Alderweireld, they can't tie him to a new contract. Why? Because he wants what he is worth and they would have to shatter their pay structure to do that. Daniel Levy can't have it all his own way. If you want to say we will hold off the giants of world football to keep our top player, pay the guy his money. If you can't do that, then it's entirely legitimate that those questions will continue to be asked. But is, I don't think it's just money, is it? I think if you've become fated as a player and you know widely highly regarded, you, it's not just the money. It's the idea: Are we really going to win something? Yeah, but I think I think that Pochettino is hungry to win things. I know that we get to the end of the window and people say, you haven't signed anyone, that means that you're, you're, you're dormant in the transfer window. They're trying to sign Malcolm from Bordeaux. To be fair, it's a deal that they, if they do complete it, he would stay at Bordeaux for the rest of the season. So again, Same he's one with Sessignon, he would stay exactly. at Bordeaux for the rest of the season. They would need to improve them in this window, a Wilfred Zaha, as somebody who could uh, unlock defences, somebody who would compete with uh, the Christian Eriksen position, uh, somebody who would give them that X factor, as you rightly say, Kane has it all on his shoulders. If Kane doesn't play, you're not really guaranteed someone to make a break. Husson's done fantastic, has to mm. be acknowledged. They're looking at Kevin Gamera at Atletico Madrid as well, uh, potentially for maybe even for a loan for the rest of the season. But they do need more. And if they don't get more, then again, they, they, it's, Liverpool looks strong. Chelsea will have that consistency. The two Manchester clubs will do well. Spurs, it will be touch and go if they don't buy more in this last top couple of weeks of the window. And as you said, Tottenham have got to win something. The FA Cup this season is probably going to be more valuable than ever for a club to win because okay, Premier League's done and dusted. If you look at the fourth round, where do you see the shocks happening? What about, say, Leicester? at uh, Peterborough? No, I think Leicester are hitting their stride and if they want it, they'll win it. The shot, shot will not happen, Jovo will be Man United, no, Jovo's no. best player is ruled out through suspension. That's a big, lovely, not, well not lovely, very sad story in itself actually. Um, this is the form of Man United training. Exactly, you, yeah. you, you, you get these FA Cup stories, Otis Khan, well who does he want in the FA Cup? He wants the club that let him go. They get that in the draw, and then he pushes the referee in the 94th minute. Uh, no, it's very sad. Um, I, I've got this funny feeling about Wigan, yeah. because it, it makes no logical sense at all, and yet the fact that all Wigan have got to cling to in their recent history, well, in their history, really, is that they won the FA Cup mm. and they beat Manchester City, and most Wigan fans will say, yes, we went down the same season, yes. but we wouldn't trade in winning the FA Cup. It was the most beautiful moment. And I do think clubs have it in them when they've had, when they've tasted the magic of the cup, that when it comes to the cup, they, their league form doesn't matter so much. Yes. But it, they really do lift their game. Yes. I, can just, I can just hear Will Greggs on fire being sung around Wembley. I don't, maybe at the same time as But you know, I, 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 I tend to agree with Alison. I think I look at the West Ham, because obviously with these upsets, it takes for the, underdog, if you like, to play above themselves. And maybe the, the so-called superior team to either not play at their potential or field a weakened so side. What about Notts County, doing well in League Two? They're at home to Swansea, mm. who, let's be honest, 
don't really need a cup run. They need to concentrate on getting off the yeah. bottom of the league. Well, they sack their manager because they want to survive. So it'd be interesting to see what kind of side he puts out and whether uh, that side is motivated enough, A, to push for their first team places for the Premier League and B, to do it you know, against a side that are not short of confidence at all. Um, I think that there is a definite potential for an upset there. He wants more goals out of that side and he's experimenting with ways to try and get it. They had a good win against Wolves um, in the last round, but I, I think there is a potential for a shock there, yeah. Mm. Got some questions from the viewers and the listeners. Um, one is, no, no surprise, it's about Marco Silva. This is Adam Wakefield says, who's to blame for him being sacked? Watford, Everton or Silva himself or the players? Silver himself, because if Silver maintains his focus, he transmits that to the players. Um, I don't think Everton have anything to do with it. Right. And what about George Trimden asked, and in a way we've answered the question already, but he says, is, this about, is it about time that David Moyes got some credit for what he's doing at West Ham? Uh, let's give it a little bit longer, because I, I do, I, I know, but I, I, he has had some bad times since he left, left Everton. And I think anyone who went into West Ham and just did the opposite of Slavin Bilic would have got some results. Let's see where they are at the end of the season. If, they are, if, they, if, they, if they've escaped that horrible morass of clubs that are either going nowhere or possibly going down and are almost touching the Europa League places, then absolutely give him some credit. OK. Bit of a light-hearted one. Phil Clark. Neil Harris of Millwall. <laughs> Is he the man to replace Southgate? <laughs> <laughs> I think let's let's look at the broader issue there about a manager with no real budget doing very well. Will managers like him progress? He's a unique manager in so much as he plays for he, he has played for the club. He's 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 made that uh, jump uh, that transition from being a player to becoming a manager and retaining the respect of the players, understanding the fan base and what's demanded from being, from wearing the Millwall shirt. Um, and I think as far as uh, Neil is concerned, yeah, I think we'll see more managers like that come through who understand what it is to meet the demands, not so much of the, 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 the board and the owners or whatever, but also of the fans and what the fans demand. Uh, and, and also, as I say, to retain the respect of the players. I think we'll see a few more of them. Really mm. intelligent guy. Really nice guy to yeah. send to football too. And mm. also his life experience. He obviously had testicular cancer mm. um, and, and fought, showed the tenacity to fight through that, shared his experience, been very open about it um, over the years. And he's, you know, to listen to him talk, you could listen to him forever. He's a wonderful footballer, obviously. Yeah. Good manager. I, good manager. I knew him very well as a player and, and uh, going back to see him after a couple of years, the sense of authority he's got now, he's made that change really quickly and the maturity with which he approaches the game is, is really, really impressive, I think. That said, Ali, Neil asks, would Ozil be a better fit at Manchester United than Sanchez? No, I can't. Can you see Ozil as a Mourinho player? No. Because Ozil, for all that he is, when he plays well, is absolutely beautiful and mesmeric to watch. He does disappear. Mm. I don't know why. Sometimes he disappears because there's transfer rumours. Sometimes he disappears <laughs> because there's 
some shopping trip he's got to go on. I don't know the reasons why he disappears, but there's no way. I mean, he's been indulged by Wenger, arguably, but there's no way Mourinho would indulge that. No, is it, Mourinho needs guys who've got heart. He's, he's obviously got world-class ability, but he's not somebody that you would want in the trenches alongside you. And I think, as I, I, I always get amazed when I hear this whole Man United Ozil thing because, first of all, they've got quality players in that front six already. And second of all, Ozil's a, a wonderful player to watch. We saw that in the win uh, over Crystal Palace, the tricks, the flicks and all that sort of stuff. But he's written himself about his run-ins that he has had with Mourinho over his perceived lack of application and the way that Mourinho has bought him out. I can't see that you'd be a United player. I'd be really surprised if he were to go there. Okay. There's been some really sad news which has broken since we've been on the air. Um, the ex-England captain Jimmy Arnfield has died at the age of... 82, we know he's been fighting cancer for a while. Uh, the one thing that I always struck me about Jim when you saw him around was, was his sense of dignity and humility. Are those the sort of qualities that you associate with him? Oh, absolutely. I remember when I first started out in the business, it would be very easy to walk in a room and be ignored. People, partly because you're a woman, partly because no one knows who you are. No one has time, everyone's too busy. He was the one who came over and asked me how I was, where I came from which football teams I liked, which players I liked. Just that little encouraging... Yeah. Uh, that, that, at the start of your career, goes an awful long way, and I haven't found anyone to say a bad word against him. He's generous-spirited. His commentaries were always really incisive, but he never cut anyone down, and that's quite a trick to pull off. To, to always say something nice, but to make it interesting. That fantastic bloke. I never saw him play, but uh, but as a man, I you know, his, broad, his commentaries were always wonderful to listen to. Um, he was respected as a broadcaster, as a footballer, as a man, as a leader um, at the highest echelons of the game in this country. Um, and it, he was knowledgeable about the game, you know. You, you get some players and they, they finish playing and, you know, they're not as... You, you, you don't necessarily want to kind of hear from them as much as you wanted to see them on the field, to be polite. But I think as far as Jimmy Armfield is concerned, it, it, that was completely the opposite. Um, he'll be sadly missed. Mm. One of the really encouraging aspects of the weekend were the applause for Cyril Regis. You, know, you were quite strong on the Premier League's almost lack of commitment to that cause in the build-up. I'm staggered by it, Mike. I have to say, I was really staggered by it. Um, we, this is obviously a sensitive area to get into, but I remember reading an article, uh, a column by Martin Samuel, who was talking about the many minute silences that we have in this country. We had a minute silence for uh, the tragic victims of a, a nightclub fire in Brazil once. Um, we, we respect so many in this game. And yet, here is somebody who changed the face of the English game and its participants um, for black players, for black people. He brought unity to the game, changed minds, changed attitudes with his ability on the field. The problem I had with no scheduled, pre-arranged uh, tribute for Cyril Regis is that fed into the view that the, the commitment, so-called commitment to racism and race relations and issues surrounding that is lip service. And there was another example of it because it should have been instinctive that 
a tribute was arranged and the EFL got away with basically leaving it to the individual clubs to have their tributes rather than uh, the EFL themselves organising a tribute. Now, let me think, four of their clubs Silver Regis played for? Are you telling me that it was not incumbent on them to arrange a tribute for him? I thought that was shabby. And, you know, it wasn't just black people, black players, whatever. People, fans, white and black, were saying, we will honour this guy because we understand what his contribution to the game was, to black players was, to the unity of the game was. And I think it, it was a poor show from the Premier League who kind of reacted rather than acted to not have done something instinctively straight away as soon as the news came out. Cyril Regis, Sir Jimmy Armfield, two great football men. And I use that term as a term of endearment. Thanks for joining us here on the Football Writers Podcast.